0: Welcome back everyone. I'm Tony Brown and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday. It is the 26th of April, 2015. On the show today, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to take you on a ride with me in the truck. The first set of uh, remote audio or out-of-studio audio that I have is when I went out to the desert and shot my AR-15 that I had recently built for the first time and sort of some of my impressions with that. The second set of clips has to do with when I was coming back and going back and forth in between Appleseed and sort of what happened with that. So... I hope the sound quality is uh, listenable enough, and I will come back and talk with you guys some more after the clips are done. Hey guys, what's up? I'm taking you on a little trip with me today. We're going out to the desert to shoot my rifle. It's the one that I just completed. It's an AR-15. I'll talk about some of the components here in a little bit. Unfortunately I forgot my Eterol portable recorder and so I'll have to try this on the iPhone. Hopefully it it won't be too off. So the rifle that I completed is one that I built myself and it was my first build. To give myself a little bit of a, uh, a knowledge base I guess I watched tons of videos on YouTube And there was a guy who had some really good ones as far as letting you see what's going on and having good camera angles for the most part. And his channel is NSZ85, NSZ85, and you can find him on YouTube. So if you're ever thinking about maybe building one or or seeing kind of what goes through or, or the steps you need to take. His would definitely be a channel I would check out. Also, I would recommend that you check out tons of other channels, tons of other videos, just so that you can see sort of what other people are doing, different approaches, what things are similar, that type of deal. Now, as far as the the actual building of the rifle, I don't. For me, it wasn't really that difficult. Uh, you just sort of take your time, and any. I don't think I really had any problems. You you will need some tools, some specific tools. And depending on what you're going to build and, and, and uh, the type of uh, handguard that you're going to use, it may require you to get an actual armorer's wrench. I ended up not using one. Now, well, and I'll tell you why here in a second. So, the, um, during some of the tools that I think that you sort of almost have to have, you, you are going to need a, a torque wrench. You are going to need some punches. You are going to need what, what they call vice blocks. Now, the lower vice block that I use, or the, or the vice block that you would use for the lower, is basically it, it's kind of like a magazine, you know, for the AR-15. Except it's just solid plastic, and it's got a little cutout to where once you get, um, it, it'll let you. And that fits into the magazine well, and it will let it acts as sort of a third hand for you, and it goes into the vice. The other vice I got for the upper, they make a couple of different ones. One of them is sort of like a almost like a clamshell type thing, and it clamps over the the upper receiver. The one that I elected to use was the DPMS Panther Claw and you can get that at uh, I think it's Bravo Bravo Company or BCM. And it's around uh, I want to say $49, $50, something like that. And those were those are some of the tools that I think that you sort of have to have. And again, depending on what you're what you're going to do, you may want to have like a separate castle nut wrench, or you may want to have a an armorer's wrench. Uh, other than that, you can kind of probably get by if if you've got some tools with uh, with what you have. So, for instance, when I was putting the lower together, everybody, you know, when I was putting in the um, the bolt catch. A lot of times, because you have to drive in, in a pin, a lot of people are kind of concerned. Oh, I'm going to scratch up my receiver. Uh, again, I just sort of took my time, and I taped off the receiver where I thought it might scratch with electrical tape. And I took a drop of oil and put it on the. I think they're actually called the spring pin. As a, a lot of people will call the pins that are in the AR-15. They just sort of generically call them roll pins, but if it looks, if the pin looks like a little C, and it, and it would spring shut under under uh, under pressure, uh, it would kind of close down a little bit, and then it wants to kind of spring back out, and that's sort of what holds it in. Uh, is that compression? Uh, a, a, a true roll pin, if you look at the actual pin, the the metal sort of like rolled around like in a tight scroll type thing. So, anyway. I didn't have any roll pin punches uh, or roll pin holders, which basically uh, have sort of like a hollow depression that the pin would fit in. It would have been nice to have it, but you don't really need it. You can just use a pair of needle nose pliers. Like I said, the build was relatively simple. I'm trying to think if there was any challenge that I had. And I think part of the reason that I didn't have any challenges was I watched so many videos and I saw what could go wrong. Or people would say, "Oh, a lot of times if you'll do A, B, and C. So if you'll put a little oil on the pins, if you'll, you know, just make sure that all your holes and all the things are um, are clear and there's no burrs and things like that. So you avoid a lot of the, you avoid a lot of the problems that way. So let's talk about. Uh, oh well, before we jump into some of the components." and this kind of has something to do with the components, I got the, the uh, key mod, the 15-inch key mod rail from BCM. With that, they give you basically, um, for their barrel nut, it's this. It's, it's sort of specced the same with the slots that it will work with your castle nuts. So for me, I figured, well, I don't really need a bunch of this other stuff. I can just kind of use, use this to tighten down the barrel nut, and I can use it to tighten down the castle nut, uh, on the lower receiver. So anyway, some of the components that I have will start with the lower kind of what stuff I used for the pistol grip. I used used a magpole uh, pistol grip for the um, buffer tube or the, ex- the receiver extension. What I did was I just uh, I got I think I got like a six position and I made sure it was just mil spec. And I made sure it was made out of the materials that I wanted. Uh, so if, if you're not too wrapped around the axle on that, you can, you can probably find one. Um, one thing I think you do or you're supposed to do if you want everything to fit well is go with the mill spec stuff Excuse me, rather than the uh, commercial stuff. Don't mix and match, I guess. If you go with one, stick with one. If you go with the other, stick with the other. I think most stuff out there nowadays most people just tend to go with the mil spec stuff so anyway other parts that I got for the lower for the uh, buffer I used a spikes tactical heavy buffer Uh, I don't know if that's if I could maybe go with something lighter I don't know Uh, I'll have to see once I once I shoot the rifle Uh, for the springs I used a I just got that that stuff from damage industries I got their silicone spring uh, for the back plate I got a quick detach backplate, also from Damage Industries. The stock was again Magpul. Uh, I think it's the CTR. I, I I don't even know the name of this stuff. They've got so many names, but it's kind of just sort of the the one that everybody gets, uh, which is, is a, uh, seems to be a decent stock. Uh, what else for the lower? Oh, on the lower parts kit, I went with uh, CMMM. That's a one too many M's there. I went with CMMG. I went with their lower parts kit. With the trigger guard, I went with a thing. I think it's called, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's called dead arm, dead on arms or something like that. I'll put links to all this stuff. But anyway, you don't drive a pin in it. all their, the pins on their trigger guards are spring loaded. And it's designed, it's, it's, uh, I guess you would call it maybe the extended. It's not straight across. It kind of has a little bit of a hump in it. I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. Maybe it's, it's just cheaper to manufacture it the other way. It cost a little more. I think I paid like $21 or something for that. But I thought for the ease of installation and everything, it, it made sense for me to get it. Um, having said that, though, you know if you had to drive a pin in through those lower ears on the trigger guard thing, a lot of people are worried about that getting snapped off if you go too, too fast or if you're not lined up just right but uh, again not that big a deal and if you are worried about it there are, are alternatives out there again that um, I think it's called Dead on Arms is the company that makes that little trigger guard so that's it for the lower I don't think um, there was anything else that I used uh, that didn't come as part of, of one of the, uh, the kits that I would have that I would have used on that Alright, so let's talk about the upper. I've already mentioned a little bit uh, about the handguard, which I which I got. And that was one that I've talked about before on the show that I had to wait a while to get. I had to go on back order and stuff like that. So that was a little frustrating, but eh, you know, it's one of those things where you've kind of waited a while. It's not that big a deal. So, with, and I don't think I mentioned that the, uh, on the on the lower i went both on the lower and the upper i went with stripped receivers upper and lower receivers and those were mega arms and the reason i chose mega arms is they had a good reputation for uh, very tight tolerances and making sure that everything uh, is machined very well could i have found stuff that was cheaper yeah but you know for me i thought this is kind of what I want and uh, I might as well during the build get the stuff that I want. So I may have paid a little bit more money here and there uh, for certain things, but for me it was worth it. Now, having said that, talking about the money, I tried very, very hard to get everything that I could on sale. I I waited around for a lot of stuff, uh, bought things at certain times when I knew they, you know, for certain holidays when I knew that these guys would usually have sales. So Anyway, for uh, the upper, again, I have the Mega Arms upper. For the Bolt Carrier Group, I went with a Lightner Wise, and I went with a Carbonite one, which, again, I got on sale, which made it... Uh, actually, the sale price was cheaper than I could have bought something, let's say, like a Bravo Company uh, Bolt Carrier Group and Bolt. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy with that. I like the the, the workmanship on it and everything uh, seems to be up there. Plus, a lot of people... Have a lot of good things to say about his manufacturing process and how he does things and the the level of detail that he goes to. For the barrel, I went with a Daniel Defense, uh, what is it, the chrome lined, hammer forged, all that stuff that they do with all their barrels. I got the one where the gas uh, block on there with the lower glass, excuse me, lower gas block, and that would actually be. It's pinned to the bottom. It isn't done with the, um, the set screws, uh, where a lot of times the gas block will clamp onto the barrel. Uh, I had kind of heard that was sort of the best way or, or the most reliable way to have it on there, not, not get really any movement. Whether or not that's true, that's what I kind of believe. So uh, that's one of the reasons I went with them, and plus they're a good company. It's got the M4 feed ramps, and those are polished as well. So with the flash hider, I just went with an A2 flash hider for me. that I, I don't know that, that maybe at a later date I'll, I'll put something different on there, but I just went with the A2. Um, I bought a dust cover from uh, Modern Musket that just has Modern Musket engraved on it, which I, you know, I I like that. I like their company. I like what they're trying to do. Now, when you buy the cover from them, you don't, they, they don't give you the C-clamp or the, the rod that the dust cover rests on or the spring or anything. And I ended up getting those from uh, Damage Industries as well. Uh, let's see, upper. What's the other stuff I'm missing on the upper? The forward assist I also got from Damage Industries. Um, what am I missing? Oh, let's talk about the key guard. Or the key guard. Good heavens. It's the key mod hand guard from Bravo Company. So like I said before, I got the 15 inch. And installation of it went pretty well. Again, I made sure to read all the instructions. I also made sure to watch several of the videos that are out there of people that bought them and installed them and what they did. My installation went pretty well. I was able to torque down, once I got the barrel nut on there, torque down and everything, and when I went and got the uh, uh, the gas tube and all that stuff, oh, speaking of the gas tube, I just went with uh, just like a regular gas tube, again, from Damage Industries. A lot of the times what I did when I would order stuff, I would make sure that, uh, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it before or not, but I would make sure that I, that I would get it from a company to where if I had a certain dollar amount, they were doing free shipping. And so a lot of times I would order as much as I could from a certain place and then benefit from the free shipping. A lot of times if you go over $50, $60 or sometimes $90 to get free shipping, which isn't really that hard to do when you're kind of sourcing out all these components. Um, Let's see. So going back to the installation. On mine, what in the instructions and what one of the videos had said, they talked about was that sometimes what you have to do is you have to heat up the metal because the tolerance of the handguard going over that barrel nut is it's very tight. So that's what I ended up doing. I also had to take a uh, a ball peen hammer and a little a block of hardwood that I had around, it, and I used that to tap very slowly tap the handguard over the barrel nut and had it meet up with the receiver i like how the installation goes with that i think they've they've kind of have really worked out all the bugs on on that stuff and i think a lot of the stuff maybe you're going to see in the future you're not necessarily going to have to really index that barrel nut anymore for certain things um I torqued mine down to, I want to say, the instruction said between like 40 and 50, so I went down to 45 and uh, on the actual barrel nut, and I tried to torque everything that I could to spec. Uh, so again, you would want to have a, uh, a torque wrench, which you can pick up at Home Depot or Sears for a relatively cheap price, but I, I, I've got a couple, uh, so if, you, if you've got a, a section of tools you're going to do okay. So getting back to the tools, some of you guys I'm sure cringed when you heard me say I used a ball-peen hammer and a block of wood. I didn't have one of these soft face hammers like a brass face uh, or one with a polymer thing. So what I ended up doing was I took my ball-peen hammer and I wrapped the face of it in electrical tape. Um, And then on things where if I was going to come into contact with certain things uh, it it seemed to work you know the um, and I also on the receiver on certain parts if I was worried about scratching it I just taped it up really well and so I I didn't really have any major gouges or scratches now I know over time the rifle is probably going to get some gouges and scratches on them and that's just sort of the uh, kind of the price of doing business I guess so to speak but, you know, if you're not too... If you can avoid putting great big giant scrapes in there, uh, you should. And like I talked about before, I didn't buy any of the gunsmithing stuff. And my uh, my punches, I think I got those from Lowe's or Home Depot. And they're just, you know, just generic El Cheapo punches. Uh, in fact, I think I originally picked them up so I could have stuff to work on the Glock with. So... And I found that you really, I really only used, I've got three punches. And I really only used the two. I think I used maybe the majority of the time. I think I used maybe the tiny one that I have. But I didn't use it as a punch. I used it basically as a a, a placeholder when I was putting stuff together a couple of times. So uh, that way you just make sure everything lines up. There is a trick to getting everything lined up. It's not that big of a trick, but it's... Once you've done it once or twice, uh, you know kind of lining some of these things up like when you're putting the trigger in and then putting the hammer in, sometimes you just got to put a little bit of pressure and then sometimes you think you're pushing the pin straight through, but some, sometimes you can be at least with me is what I found is the first time I was doing it, I'm like, "Man, this thing really isn't going through." and so I looked and I'm like, "Oh, I'm at a little bit of an angle here." And so you, again, you just if you take your time, everything goes together and, and comes together pretty well. All right, I got done shooting. It was kind of frustrating. Not because of anything that I had happened with the rifle, but I, I was out in the desert. It was so windy today that I spent most of the time trying to rig it up to where the target would actually stay up on my target stand that I've got. Uh, but other than that frustration, the rifle ran flawlessly. I, I'm very, very happy with that. I had zero malfunctions. It fed everything. The ammo I was using was uh, the Wolf Gold. Um, that was kind of all I had, so that's what I used. It's brass uh, ammunition. I, I got it from uh, SNG Ammo a while back. Uh, kind of in preparation, but it uh, cycles all the am- it cycled the ammunition fine. When I could actually shoot at the target, when it wasn't blowing around like a like a hurricane, uh, my accuracy was decent for me. Again, it was just so windy. Um, the The optic that I had on it, I've got uh, a Trigicon one uh, by four the TR24 I think is the, the name of it uh, and I've got the mount that I've got on there is uh, aero Pre- aero Pre- precision there we go spit it out stupid um, and that's their lightweight 30 mil the, the, t- the tube on the on the, on the optic is 30 mil so that's I ended up getting that. And it took me a little bit to uh, of kind of wiggling it around and doing this to get the, the eye relief. I'm still kind of struggling with that a little bit. Um, but when I was doing my part, it was pretty accurate. Now, I was only shooting out to 25 yards just to, to get some stuff on paper. What I probably need to do is actually go into... Go to an outdoor range when it's not so windy, and then when I can actually shoot off a bench and have a bench rest and really, really dial it in. Um, as it was, I, I, I got my uh, elevation right, but the windage, I think I'm, a, I'm still a little off to the left, but it was so windy and I was getting so frustrated that I was just like, well, the rifle functions. And uh, that's that's good enough for me uh, for right now. I accomplished basically what I wanted to accomplish with that. Uh, so, like I said, no failures to feed, no failures to eject. It wasn't you know ejecting them. It wasn't just dribbling them out, and it wasn't shooting them like you know 300 yards away. Uh, I was able to recover pretty much all the brass that I shot. I shot about. I want to say probably 85 to 90 rounds, I think. Um, like I said, I would like to have shot a little bit more, but uh, sometimes when the conditions aren't exactly ideal, the frustration level rises. And then, at least with me, it's like, well, if I'm, I'm a little too frustrated, so I'm not really going to get anything out of it. I don't want to just do a bunch of dumb mag dumps or anything like that. And just waste ammunition if I'm going to shoot I actually want to try and get something out of it so uh, overall I am extremely pleased with with the rifle I do have that Aimpoint Pro that I bought a while back and um, oh did I mention that the the Trigicon is a 1x4 so it's a variable um, optic but I do have the aim point, and I want to I want to put the aim point on there and see how I do with that as well. Uh, the one by four, you know. Oh, it's it's. Let me tell you, my vision anymore as I've gotten older. I've all I I can see up close fine, but I'm very nearsighted. And I today I had my glasses on. I've got contacts, and I I can I can get corrected to 2020, but my vision has gotten to the point to where for me, I need to have some type of an optic on there and it's almost getting to the point with the rifle. If I'm, if I'm doing something that's a little bit further than probably 25 yards, I need to have something with a little bit of magnification. So I want to do something with, with that aim point. See how, see how that goes with this rifle. I liked, um, I liked the optic that I had, that Trigicon. However, I'm, I've, I've got to dial in sort of the eye relief, I guess. I, I don't know if, if that's the correct term. But I've got to dial in that placement on there. And then I've got to figure out, well, what's my best uh, length of pull going to be to work with that. So that's And that's something I think that I'm really going to need to do. At that outdoor range, where I can actually sit at a bench and take my time and, and do all that stuff. Um, out where I live, there's there's uh, an outdoor range that I may go to, maybe next week or so, uh, or next weekend if I have the time, uh, where I can. Uh, there's no range officers, so generally it's not that crowded. But even when it's been crowded, people I think because they know there's no range officers are very very safety conscious there they are not fucking around there at all So which is good um, I'm, I've gotten kind of spoiled over the years with going out to the desert or going to this range down here where it's just sort of an open range as I like to call it uh, where I don't have the safety officers also both of those are free uh, for me to go down there I don't have to pay anything and I don't have to, you know, listen to, you know, sometimes if you, you get the safety officers there, the range officers, whatever you want to call them, and sometimes they're really, they're good and if you make a mistake, they don't like jump down all over you, but some of these guys are just dicks and I get, I guess in a way I, I understand why they're dicks, but, you know, if, if you see stuff going down all the time and you're, constantly, I don't know. Well, like I said, I've been at ranges where the range officers aren't dicks, and the experience is nice. Um, And they've corrected people, but they've done it in a way without, you know, again, just jumping all over somebody's shit and everything. So anyway, um, overall, very, very pleased with the rifle. Would I recommend somebody do this on their own if you've never built one? Absolutely. There is so much information out there, and there are so many things that you can watch, and so much you can benefit from so much, so many people's other uh, other people's mistakes. There we go. If I can get it right, that it really is. It's almost like taking an armorer's course. Uh, again, there is just so much information, and some of those videos, like I said, are they're professional quality. That guy that I was talking about before, NSZ85. He's got the camera angles down um, and just, and so you can sort of see everything. I, a little bit of kind of behind the curtain stuff, I was going to record some of my stuff. But being that it's the first build and everything, I I felt, well, you know what? I don't want to, I want to concentrate on the build, take my time with that. And I don't want to worry about camera angles or trying to do something to where I'm not giving myself every advantage that I can, that I can give me uh, to do it correctly and do it correctly the first time. So I started filming it. And I filmed part of me putting in the bolt catch and I thought ah you know what you're not concentrating on stuff you're worrying about the camera angles and stuff too much so I just clicked it off and said maybe if I if I ever do another build or something like that or um maybe I'll film it that way or uh, and I I don't know you know I don't know if I'll ever kind of build another one again I I kind of got all the stuff I want on this one um Meaning like a full build. You know, one of the beauties of the of the AR-15 is that I'll probably definitely do another upper build. Um, so if I wanted to go with, let's say, like a 300 blackout or something like that, which I may do, I may, slowly over time, if I can find some stuff like just dirt cheap, that's still decent quality, I may go ahead and try and do that uh, 300 blackout. I don't know, though so anyway uh, getting back to recommendations absolutely go ahead and do it if anybody out there has any questions about more about my experiences of it uh, go ahead write in or send in an mp3 you know, and ask the questions if you don't want it played on the show that's fine too, I won't um, but uh, every, everybody has to learn just like me, I'm learning stuff all the time So, anywho, I will keep you guys informed as the progress with it, as I do more more stuff with it. Uh, I did throw up a few pictures on Facebook. If you go over to uh, my Facebook page, I think I popped some up on there. Um, And you can see just, I I think I only did like maybe three or four pictures, something like that. So, anyway. uh, What's else going on? I've got the apple seed thing coming up this weekend which I'll try and take my recorder with, but it may be one of those things where I'm gonna to wanna to concentrate on what I'm doing that I may record on the way out there and then during breaks and then on the way back. I don't, I don't know, we'll see. All right, this segment or this part of the show is done. Hey guys, what's going on? We're on the road headed toward Appleseed. I am pretty excited about being able to go to the event today and I'm looking forward to hearing all the history and looking forward to getting some good pointers and learning some stuff about marksmanship, getting some good fundamentals down. I am an okay pistol shot, but I really haven't done that much as far as training or anything or learning a lot about riflemen. Marksmanship, I guess, for lack of a better term. So that's what I'm actually really, really excited about getting to learn some of the fundamentals and some of the basics, and hopefully being able to improve. You know, it's a funny thing. Uh, I'd really like to get that rifleman's patch, but if I don't get it, it's not that big a deal. Um, hopefully, I will. But uh, like I said, my main motivation for going is is uh, learning some of the fundamentals and some of the basics that will help me improve as far as being a better rifleman. So, uh, as far as being able to record stuff while I'm there, I don't know. I, I, I doubt if they would uh, have any um, prohibitions on it or anything like that. Uh, if anything, they're, you know, they would probably want me to record it and put it out on the show. However, on this, especially on the first day, since this is really the learning day, I don't know that I'm going to want to have my concentration and focus split on a couple of different things, like, oh, is the recorder going? Is it getting the right sound? That type of stuff. So maybe during the breaks or something like that, I might be able to record something here and there. I don't know. All right, well, I'm going to sign off for now. Alright my friends, I have completed day one of the Appleseed event. We went basically from Oh like eight fifteen to about five forty-five. We went over a lot of the positions, how to do the the slings, how to do the um, uh, like the, the hasty hasty the hasty and then the loop sling with the with the, with our individual rifles we actually started off kind of in the prone position we started off doing a uh, redcoats target and uh, then at the very end uh, today we also did another red coat target to see how we improve I was able the highest when we first got there and did the red coat for the first the highest I was able to go and put three rounds in was the 200 yard target at the end of the day i was able to put in uh, three rounds in the 400 yard target i did i did not get the shingle so i didn't clear the target had i got the shingle on my second one i would have cleared the target so uh, i my score we only we only did one AQT, which is a qualification to see if you're going to get your rifleman's patch or not. Uh, on our first day, we did one of those and we, um, we only had one guy that got it and he was a guy that had been to, I think two others. So this was his third apple seed. And uh, he was a gentleman named George, a uh, real nice guy. So hopefully tomorrow, we will uh see a couple more guys get it i don't know if i will get mine there's a lot to go over and there's a lot it's a it's it's a whole different way of shooting than anything i've ever encountered so there's a big learning curve um and uh, unless you kind of shot a lot and then could say oh okay well i can kind of take what they're telling me and then i can Uh, you know, I'm used to natural point of aim, I'm used to these other things, then I think maybe on your first time you could get it, or if you're just a really good shot, maybe you kind of naturally fall into your, that natural point of aim thing. I scored a 193 on mine, uh, which I would have needed 210 to do. So we'll see. Tomorrow I think we're going to probably do a lot more of the uh, AQTs. I'm sure we'll... We'll do several of those. Hopefully, I'll be able uh, to get those. It's You know what? I, I, you do sort of find the limitations of your equipment, and you find the limitations of some of the things that you have. Um, with my actual scope rings and with the uh, scope that I have, it actually sort of sits... A little too far back I tried to adjust it far as far forward as I could but I'm still getting a lot of that parallax Uh, so when I look through the scope I am it's almost like kind of like looking through a peep sight. I'm not getting that clear image and then the 1022 I have is the little carbine and what I need I, I may need to put like a butt pad on there or something that that can push me up another inch or so uh, and I may—I don't know if I'll be able to find one tonight, um, but we'll see. So uh, anyway, I'm pretty tired. It was—it's a good experience. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And like I said, I think whether I get the uh, the rifleman's patch or not really isn't that important. You know, what's important is learning these new skills, getting these new skills honed and down uh, to where I can. On a consistent basis, repeat, you know, really good scores and have really good form. Um, We also did, you know, a couple of neat drills where we partnered up with some people and everything. So, all right, I'm going to sign off for now and I will catch up with you guys tomorrow, bring you back with me in the truck. And I'll let you know whether I was able to get that butt pad or maybe uh, uh, re... See if I can't push that scope up a little bit further now. Kind of now that I know what I'm doing as far as the positions I'll need to be in, I think I'll be able to mount the scope or or maybe reconfigure it in a way to where I can, uh, I can make it work better for me. I think if I could get away from that parallax, I think I could do quite a bit better. I'm not saying I'd get my rifleman patch or anything, but I I know I could do a lot better. All right. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey guys, I'm back with you. It's the start of day two in the truck again, heading out towards the range. I don't know how much I talked about I was so tired yesterday. At the end of the day, I don't really know how much I talked about it. So if this is a repeat, I may edit it out. I don't know. Anyway, it takes about from where I am. Uh, I live in the, the Phoenix area. And pretty much the range is on the complete other side of town from me. I mean, you can't get further away, I think. Uh, But the range, I don't think I talked about. The range is a decent range. It's nice. Uh, Where we were, we had pretty much the range to ourselves. And I think it's going to be the same uh, today. Now, I overheard the guy, uh, our, our shoot boss, talking to one of the staff. And he was saying something like, Oh, when you guys close tomorrow, which would be today we will, uh, after 2 o'clock, we may go over and use this other section of the range, which hmm, is kind of going to be a pain in the butt if that's what we do, because everybody has all their stuff, so we're going to have to schlep it all over there and do all that other stuff. But anyway, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it or not. If I did anyway, I'll, I'll be quick about it with the, I was using my Ruger 10-22 and I'm using a scope. I just can't, my vision is so bad now and I don't have the, I'm going to need bifocals for shooting so I can see that front sight. I can actually see the the targets down the way, but my uh, distance vision has gotten so poor that I can't focus on that front sight on, even on the rifle. So, I mean, I can see it, but it's blurry, so I don't get that real good, clear, crisp picture. Uh, But with corrective lenses, if I can get like uh, what they'll call sometimes a... Oh, I think it's called like an industrial grind or a machinist grind where you have the bifocal is put up on the top. And what I may do is just get the cheapest pair of frames that I can get, make them kind of safety glasses. And then have them do that grind up in the top so that when you know you know when you're actually looking down and you're getting that kind of that turkey neck or that vulture neck that i'll be able to sort of focus on that front sight and then i'll on my left eye, i'm right eye dominant so on my left eye if i needed to look and have distance i can do that or i can you know you can always you work around all that stuff anyway the scope that i had i couldn't push it far enough forward and since it's the small little carbine version of that 10 ruger 1022 it doesn't have a long enough length of pull for me so i was getting pretty bad parallax through the whole thing Um, there was a couple of times where i think in the standing position it wasn't as bad but i was still always getting that little black ring when you look through the scope so this leads me to what I'm gonna do today which is I'm bringing my AR-15 that I just recently built and I'm gonna take it and sort of run it through its paces there and I kinda went through and set it up and I actually looking through the optic that I have on there I don't get any of that parallax so uh, also you know with the AR-15 I have the adjustable buttstock on there so if I do need to kinda adjust it I can do it quickly and uh, all that stuff. So, anyway, I, I may talk to the guys today about letting me record just a few sound bites. And it may just be one of the string of fires that we do. So, and then I, I'll probably have to do uh, a little bit later do some editing. So, I don't know how long that stuff will be. But it'll be a, a couple little things that I'll drop in. So, do I think I'm going to get the Rifleman's badge today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. There is a lot of info that you get. And it's a lot of new stuff. Uh, and for me, it's a lot of it is totally new how to do the slings, how to do this, how, you know, trying to, the real trick is that trying to find the natural point of aim. And if I can get that down, I I can tell, I kind of sort of go in and out of that a little bit. And if I can get that down, I tend to do pretty well. I have pretty good groups and I can usually get in the scoring. So if I can do that and if when once I get the uh the AR dialed in, I think I'll be able to have a decent score. Whether I'll I'll be able to get that rifleman score, I don't know. Um I talked about the gentleman uh, yesterday who had gotten his. He was the only one who got it. And uh but that was I think he was saying that this was his third apple seed and what he did was a lot of dry fire practice where he would lay down on the floor at home and you know go through the positions and do tons of dry fire and practice and he said that that really really helped him quite a bit so so i'm gonna go ahead and sign off for now and i'll talk to you guys later on the road again you know i thought i might be able to do some recording of some of the stuff that was going on there but it's kind of uh, there's just so much going on uh, and you don't i don't really want i didn't really want to have my my focus split uh, especially around firearms and things like that Uh, so again safety first that type of deal well let's talk about the overall experience first things let me talk about some of the people that I met there Uh, met some really super nice people Uh, met a man who was there with his daughter and uh, she I believe is around uh, 15 years old or so he was telling me Um, and she actually did quite well Uh, they shot I think 1022s with the tech sites And uh, they both did well. In fact, uh, his name was Andrew, and he actually ended up getting his Rifleman patch on the second day. Uh, I think a gentleman, oh, there were some other guys. I know a, a guy I met there named Brian got his Rifleman patch. And so out of the 15 or I think we had 15 shooters total, and I think there was... I want to say four or five people that got the uh, their rifleman's patch now for me the closest I came was I got a 185 I believe I'd have to relook at the target but I got a 185 which is actually coming pretty close if I could have just got uh, a couple more hits there, here and there. I think I would have, I would have actually gotten the uh, the rifleman patch on that particular stage. But you know, it's a thing of coulda, woulda, shoulda. And the bottom line is that I didn't score high enough. However, I did learn quite a bit. Uh, I learned some things on on how to set up the rifle, what I need to do, uh, scope placement, things that of that nature. Uh, learned a little bit about you know the how to operate the sling all that type of stuff so anyway getting back to uh, the people everybody was super nice super friendly there was a young kid there who was maybe uh, I don't know if I had to guess his age a little boy that was there with his dad Uh, I think his name was I think it was Chase maybe I'm wrong on that but anyway a nice kid very polite very respectful I talked to him a couple just you know here and there a couple of times Uh, but everybody was really very friendly the nice thing about going to an event like this as opposed to maybe going just down to the range is people are there for a couple of different reasons one is to learn how to shoot and you actually get some good training some very good training at at a very reasonable price but the other reason is there is there is a sense of wanting to learn more about the history of this country. There is a sense of wanting to, or I don't know, not necessarily wanting to, but sort of acknowledging that this country does have some problems and that we need to do some things to try and make a difference. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to run for office or do anything because, you know, some people think, well, that doesn't really change much for you. It's not going to do a whole lot uh, because the system is so corrupted. But, you know, there are lots of little things that you can do to try and help spread the message of uh, liberty and freedom and that, you know, that we as individuals have certain rights, whether you believe they came from God, whether you believe that it's just as a human that we have certain rights that, uh, we, and one of those rights is, is that we have is the ability to defend ourselves or protect ourselves, uh, by whatever means we deem best appropriate. Uh, so anyway... Would I recommend this program? And I absolutely would. W- when I get home, I think I'll do a little bit more detailed stuff on what I think, it, it, from my experience, what I kind of wished I would have had, and some of the the some of the um, preparatory things, or or kind of like a pre uh, a pre checklist of, of what you could do. Uh, We, again, started right around like 8.30. By the time we got out of there, it was about, oh, I guess by the time we were done, it was about probably 5 o'clock-ish, and then we helped clean up a little bit. Now, one interesting thing that we did at this particular range, which is the Joe Foss Range out in Buckeye, Arizona, they had a 200-yard range. And so what we were able to do is me and four other guys were able to go over there uh, because we had center fire center fire rifles with us there we go and we were able to shoot standing at 200 and then again seated at 200 yards then we brought the targets in uh, to actual hundred yards using the you know the the silhouette that would be appropriate for hundred yards we brought that in and uh shot that prone and you know it, what it teaches you is you know when you're shooting at that 25 yard mark you've got your your rounds are going basically pretty flat um, well they're they're actually going kind of the start of that arc so but anyway um so what it really showed in that long distance shooting was how the arc how the 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 bullet path the arc of it and how if you're shooting it you're kind of shooting up for lack of a better term at that and it's going to sort of hit that 25 yard mark and then as the, the bullet arcs up it goes high and then it drops down and you get the um, as it comes down you're going to settle in at a certain point to the, uh, like to the 200 yard or the 250 yard mark or so, or th- maybe even 300 at that point. But so anyway, when I first shot that, I kind of had it reversed. And so I thought instead of what I should have done is held low, held about eight inches low. And instead I held high thinking, okay, it'll, it'll do that. So on the next time I was much more on target and was able to get them on there. Uh, now having, uh, is, is there much of a difference between shooting the uh, simulated distance on the AQTs and on the red coat things and shooting at the 200 yard and there is I mean your groups are going to open up uh, quite a bit more but it's, it's kind of proportionate I guess uh, so I think you can learn some really good fundamentals on those AQTs so Anyway, I am super tired. I got about an hour until I get back home. Uh, I was able to hand out my card to a couple people. I, you know, I don't know if they'll if I'll ever hear from them. Um, a couple of them, I, I think, could maybe turn into some good shooting buddies or something like that. Or. You know, to have somebody... It's, it's always nice to have somebody of a like mindset and everything to go shooting with and all that. So, anyway, uh, I think I mentioned yesterday that a gentleman by the name of George got his Rifleman patch. And it was, I think it was it was his third time attending. And you could tell that George sort of kind of knew what he was doing. And he talked about how he would dry fire at home and things like that. So, I got some tips and some pointers from, my, uh, from the lead instructor. His name was Casey... The other uh, gentleman that was uh, an instructor, he had a. uh, uh, His name was Joe, and there was also another volunteer, and his name was Tom. And they were both all very nice, very good guys, uh, and uh, good instructors. So, all right, like I said, I got a ways to go before I get home, so I will uh, probably do some commentary, maybe a little bit more tomorrow or the next day, hopefully, get the show out. Maybe by Wednesday of this week. Uh, and today is the 19th. Oh, one other thing we did do was the volley, which was kind of neat. And we did, um, we had basically, because we had 15 people that were shooting, we had three teams of five. And what was really neat is the young girl who was, uh, who was 15, uh, her team actually got the best score and, uh, so it was kind of neat and they got a bunch of targets and everything that they could sort of split and everything but it was nice to see her interest and enthusiasm there we go i am tired so anyway uh there was also uh a young lady by the name of um, sarah that was there and then another lady oh i can i can't remember her name uh, it's not like she's ever going to hear this but i uh, nuts i cannot remember her name it her husband I I think her husband name was was Alan and I can't oh shoot, I can't remember her name. I can almost it's like one of those things where you can almost see the name tag. Uh, but anyway, I'm gonna sign off here. It's second. the terror of knowing what this world is about. Watching some good friends screaming out of tomorrow, it's a higher I you want to be on. people. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the ride-along audio there. Hopefully the sound wasn't too bad. You know, I went back and I looked at the first AQT that I did on that first day. And I actually scored a lot better than I thought that I did. Once I sort of learned how to score the sheet, I actually scored a 207. So I was very, very close. I was basically just one more hit uh, on target and I think I had one, a couple on there where I actually dropped them and, and didn't score. So if I would gotten just one more, I could have got that rifleman patch. But oh well. Uh, as I said in the, in the clips, and as I've had a little bit of time to sort of reflect on it, I, uh, I, I was able to see some of the problems and some of the things that I was doing. I think I'll be able to correct those at the next uh, Appleseed that I attend. The next apple seed that they're going to have out here is actually going to be the end of May. And unfortunately, I think that will just be too hot. I, I think it's kind of a maybe a little bit of a mistake to schedule that. The, uh, the apple seed that we did on the 18th and 19th, it was uh, the, the first day it was actually pretty windy. So you didn't notice the heat as much. Uh, we were actually able to, at our range, be in a covered it was covered so most of the day we were in the shade but then toward the latter part of the day uh, as as the sun progressed through the sky our shade sort of moved back and we were actually in the sun and it it did get a bit warm the second day uh, there wasn't much of a breeze and so it was a little bit warmer and actually toward the end of the day it actually got uh, you know what you would term a little bit hot when we i talked a little bit about going over to I guess you would call it like the known distance range where we we shot at the 200 and then at the 100. And that was an interesting experience, but again, it was, I I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, I'm glad, I guess I'm glad that I did it. It was nice to have that experience, but I wonder if I would have done a little bit better on my, on the last AQT, which I I, I think I shot at like one, I can't remember what it was, uh, 180s or 190s, I can't remember. Um, but I think I, I probably, it would have been better had I just sat over there and kind of rested and maybe got, got a little bit better hydrated and stuff like that. And again, I'm not saying, Oh, then I definitely would have got that rifleman patch and, and that type of thing. Uh, the, the bottom line with that is that I know that there were some things that I was doing that was, not helping me in in getting the the groupings and the shots that I needed. So, but I do have I think some of the what's the word I'm looking for? I have some of the the baseline skill set. I guess I have I've, I've I've been given a little bit of training, and so now it's time for me to go practice what I've learned. And I think that in doing that, I think that I will have a much better shot of it. So anyway. I probably, I think that the next one, I don't think they really do them out here in the summer. Uh, The next one that I plan on attending, I know there's going to be one, I think, in September. But I am not sure. I'm going to try and pull it up here on the computer while I'm talking to you. And uh, I think there's also going to be one in November. Uh, sometimes September's out here can be pretty nice. Um, let me look at them. Actually, there is a, there's, uh, I'm looking at the schedule now. There's one in May, which I won't be attending and that's going to be the end of May and that's out at Buckeye at the same range that I did. There are some summer ones there is one in june and there's also one in august and people may say well holy cow why would you do that but those are up north in flagstaff and the, they're up there the temperatures will be cool uh, even during the the summer months it doesn't get it doesn't really get hot up there you're just higher up in elevation so i i don't know that i would maybe run up there and do that i might it might be a, a kind of a fun weekend to have my family go up there and they can kind of goof around while i'm doing the apple seed event up there i don't know i I don't know if I'll do that there or not. But anyway, uh, that's that's at the end of August. Uh, like I said, they do have one back in Buckeye in September. They've got another one uh in October. Uh and again, you know, out here the October months can be sometimes depending on on just how or how the weather is treating us, it can be actually pretty hot. Uh so I think if I was going to do one, I may I may shoot for the October or uh, maybe even a December one. Um, I think we're still going to be in town this year. I don't know. Uh, they have one in November, but that's one of them is down in Tucson, which is about 100 miles away, so I don't know if I'd want to I'd have to drive down there and then maybe spend the night down there, and I don't know if I'd necessarily want to do that. Uh, but I, like I said, we I may try that Flagstaff one. I don't know. Uh, it would be kind of fun to go up there and shoot. Uh, it doesn't look like they do any of the sort of the cold weather ones, I guess you could say, like I, I know you can get that winter seed. It would be kind of neat if they would do that up in Flagstaff. Again, I don't know if they just don't have the staff to be able to kind of pull that stuff off. When our uh, our head instructor guy was talking to us about it, he was just saying that they would like to get some more programs going, but they just don't have the people right now to be able to be able to do that. Uh, so hopefully, maybe, maybe, as more get done out here, um, there there would be, oh, uh, maybe more people will start to volunteer that type of thing. So, I don't know if I would volunteer. I might do something like the one guy, Tom. He wasn't really necessarily an instructor,, uh, but you know i I don't know. i I might be willing to do some uh, volunteer stuff, maybe even just as a just as a safety officer, just someone who could make sure that the line was clear and that type of thing and help hand out the targets that type of stuff so and, and if you're just kind of a volunteer like that, you don't really tell any of the the history you don't really do. I don't think you'd do the, any of the demonstrations or anything like that so um, what else was I going to talk about? I had something, and it it just kind of flew away oh well. Anyway, I think we'll draw the show to a close. And um, Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. That's what I need to say is draw the show to a close, and then it'll pop back into my head. I wanted to thank everybody that's been going over to the Facebook page. Uh, we're actually up to quite a few likes on the uh, Firearms Cafe page, and I think we're uh, we're well over 500. So actually, I just pulled it up and it looks like we're at about 613, which is way more than I ever thought I would ever get. So hopefully that will translate into a bunch of new listeners. And if you are a new listener and you would ever like to contact me or have something for the show, whether you want to do an email or an audio file or something, always, you know, please feel free to send that in. I, I try to check Facebook as often as I can for messages and things like that. If you, if you do it that way, or if you go over and actually kind of post on the uh, on the listener page uh, for Firearms Cafe, but if you the probably the best way to get an actual response would be to send in that email or the audio file, especially if you want something played on the show. So anyway, like I said, this time we will sign off and. I do have some other stuff to talk about about Appleseed, but I think I'm going to try and wait until if I can get Brian and Nick on the show and, and talk about some of that so I can get some of their perspective on it as well. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time.